I'm Matthew McCleary. And I'm Mitchell McCleary. And this is Movies While They Sleep. A podcast where two brothers watch movies and talk about them after their families have gone to bed. Welcome to today's episode, where we watched the latest from Joel Cohen, The Tragedy of Macbeth, now streaming on Apple TV+, Plus, starring Francis McDormand and Denzel Washington. Oh brother, where art thou? That's right. For the first time without his brother, Joel Cohen directing a movie. This uh, we get into all of it: the beautiful cinematography, the weirdness of the witches, and the always very cool Denzel Washington, and a surprisingly tame Francis McDormand. Yeah, but we love There's her. There's no still. wolf howling in this movie. I was just gonna say, insert wolf howl here. We give this one to our wolf. And we'll cut to our conversation already in progress. Let's jump in, sleepyheads. Phantom Thread is is so neatly tied together. And the master's a little sloppy. Um yeah. Or it's not no, okay, it's not sloppy, it's just wavering, you know? It's it's like a boat at sea, or just kind of floating around a bit. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't. I watched. I rewatched the master this year, when in last year. And I I just started it the other night, and I was like, "Ah, oh, this demands." It's more very, of my very but. good. I was really struck by how good it was, but I mm-hmm. didn't like. There are moments of it that are like, "Oh man, that them in yes. the jail cell." Exactly. The first time that he does the, I don't remember what they call it in the movie, but the psychoanalysis the interview. the interview that's one of the best movie yeah. moments of all time yeah to me like that stuff is insanely good but then a lot of the movie i just don't connect with it, it's meandering to it, me a little bit it, it feels a little like it it suffers in the way that like a lot of biopics suffer even though it's not mm. like a biopic like, tammy faye. like yes yeah like the eyes of tammy faye which i found to be extremely fascinating in moments and then totally boring in, through long stretches of the I movie. I know. I know. That's what was such a bummer about it. I'm like, Chastain is absolutely crushing when she's crushing. I mean, she's crushing the whole movie, but there are some moments I'm like, wow. Wow. I, I this is was so, astounding. I was so struck by the performance because she... I What I wrote was... Okay, so uh, this is like an odd movie to compare it to, but I watched Lincoln this weekend, the Spielberg, Daniel Mm. Day-Lewis movie, which I hadn't revisited since it came out. And I'm just sitting there like, gosh, this is just a... These people know how to make a movie. (laughs) Like, Mm. it's... it's, Spielberg just knows how to put a camera to work and knows how to construct a scene, and Daniel Day-Lewis is amazing. But this is the thing about Lincoln which is how I felt about Tammy Faye, and I watched them both this weekend, was I am looking and looking, every scene, I'm looking for Daniel Day-Lewis, and all I see is Abraham Lincoln. It, it, it is like, right? if you, I mean, I guess there's a resemblance between that guy and the guy who's in Phantom Thread, but I can right. hardly see it, because... And it's not like he's wearing, he's not wearing a bunch of prosthetics for Lincoln, as far as I know. Right. It's just right. every every 
muscle in his body is is inhabiting right. this character. And that is how I feel about her and Tammy Faye. Right. And, it, and I think that... It's astounding. And I th- that heard the laugh alone. Oh, my gosh. And I think that... I, I, won't, e- I won't even uh, belittle it by trying to do an impression. <laughs> but I think that even the early my, scenes my of the movie... My unstudied ass. <laughs> the, the early scenes of the movie where she's not like all mm-hmm. the makeup and the caricature those early scenes she still just so inhabits this juvenile you know very strange delicate woman cartoon yeah and and i'm like i'm looking for jessica chastain i'm looking for the woman that is in zero dark 30 and yeah and i'm like i don't i don't see her in here but isn't that such a bummer how often this happens where it's like, yeah, that performance is just unbelievable, but the movie around that performance doesn't, uh, like, stand up to it. Uh, yeah, you know. Yeah, that's that's often I it's, think it's it's the trap of biopics, right? Yes, and that is that's how I feel about the master in a lot of ways. That oh, interesting. That the like the, their performances, those performances are you know, two of the best performances the last 20 years in a, in a movie and it's in the mm-hmm. same movie. And, right. but then there are parts of the master that just are like, okay, uh, you know, we're, we're doing a biopic thing, you know? Um, yeah. And, and, and a lot of the things he does in it, like when he's back in London um, mm-hmm. and he's like, you know, just, succeeding in london again and who comes to him is it joaquin's character like like reconnects with him Mm -hmm. and and like he shuts him down right is that how that sequence goes at the end i I need to rewatch it but it's like it's kind of reflective to uh of the final sequence in there will be blood where his son hw comes to him Mm. years later and you know right except and and obviously different dynamics in that movie, but that's the better version. It's like this. I just want this one. I don't want this to feel like the part of the biopic. And and it's weird because there will be blood in a lot of ways. It functions kind of like a biopic, but um, right, but much more sinister. But just but just a lot tighter. It's it's so specific in what it's trying to convey. Um, yeah, the master and the master. You know, I really like a biopic. I like like the Steve Jobs movie. Um, Me too. Yeah. I feel like that. I think people, it's underrated. Yeah, but I I, I was really pleasantly <laughs> surprised by it. A lot of the criticism is like, oh, it could have been a play, and it's like, uh, whatever. We're going to talk about that today. Um, Speaking <laughs> of plays, but I like the I like the hey, we need it. We need a real very strong narrative structure to our biopic so it's three Mm. apple keynote events right and i I don't care that like none of these conversations happened anywhere near this day is it reflective of this man's life yeah i think so i don't i don't need i don't need a wikipedia movie right right which is right which is exactly why i responded so well to lincoln because that movie takes place basically over a few months right before he dies right at the end of the civil war when he's trying to get the 13th amendment passed and it is this culmination of everything that abraham lincoln was about as a as a politician as a leader as a man and and it 
it is like this perfect moment. It's after, you know, one of his sons has died and it's this, you know, it's this tiny little window where a really bad version of an Abraham Lincoln movie is like, we're getting, you know, 40 years of Lincoln and like, who needs that? It's like a child picking up a top hat that yeah. had like fallen off somebody and he picks it off the road and he puts it on. Exactly. And then it's like 16 years later. <laughs> yeah. It's it, no one wants that. Um, and that is a lot of ways I mean, I, I think the master is like the best version of that, but um, I, I think it it struggles because it is still in that kind of more straight ahead biopic. The rhythms of yeah. the biopic. It's you know yeah the best looking one. Well, speaking of speaking of the best looking oh, my movie gosh. of the year. <laughs> Let's jump in, shall we? Is it the best looking movie of the year? I mean, honestly, this and uh, eh. for me, for me, for Mitchell, this is the best looking movie of the year. Yeah, Th- this is so up my alley. <laughs> this is so Night of the Hunter. Yeah, this is so oh, black I- and white and grainy, and that's all I want in a movie ever, or really any of my. If I could, like, you know. Uh, have LASIK surgery, but it's just black and white and grainy instead of uh, making my eyes clearer. <laughs> I, I would consider it. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> that's an interesting way to think of the world. Uh, yeah, I'm gonna, sending you a screenshot. <laughs> I'm sending you a shot of from Night of the Hunter. This this shot from Night of the Hunter is so much of what um, uh, Joel Cohen does in um, Macbeth. Um, which is interesting because the Night of the Hunter existed more of a like realistic world, uh, but visually, mm-hmm. it is um, so kind of over the top. Yep. Yeah, I knew you were gonna send this one. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, that movie is uh, that one's never leaving my favorites on Letterbox. I'll tell you that right now. I just replaced Fargo with Licorice Pizza, just just to update yeah. the feet a little. It was feeling sure. a little cobwebby. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, let me let me tell you this though, Night of the Hunter is never leaving. Yeah, just this shot. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. The so shot, th- this is so up my alley. Well, and the, oh my god, the shot that I just sent you is it's so it's um uh what's the guy's name? Um, Ooh, by the way, I have a new segment. Yeah, to oh add. great. We're, we have a new segments category okay. this this week, so stay tuned, listeners. Oh great, okay. Um, what's the the guy's name from Night of the Hunter? Uh, Robert Mitchum. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's Robert Mitchum. It's, my name's literally on it. <laughs> uh, Robert Mitchum standing over the bed of, of this woman and in kind of like this, you know, second story room of this house with this ceiling that is just vaulting straight upward and you're getting these huge long shadows but also these these weird streams of light that are like reaching up as well. And this is everything this that... shot is stupid yeah it's amazing it's it, it, it's amazing because look, look at <laughs> look at her and then look at the foot of the bed like the bedpost yes it's like how are those that different yes the lighting yes and it's a it's amazing God. because a movie like night of the hunter which is this you know 1955 kind of weird like thriller con artist movie and it, it doesn't need to look like this Right, like it decides just to throw down to be the best looking movie of all time in my book. Yeah, it, and that's kind of like 
like I understand why Joel Cohen and his and his team are like the art direction and we're going to make this as like extraordinarily strikingly beautiful as possible. It's Macbeth. We're going to go all the way. Night of the Hunter does not need to do that, but it does it. <laughs> right. Yeah. It feels like Macbeth without that. It's rough. Okay. Yeah. T- say more about that. <clears throat> okay. So I think we've established Macbeth well, is, is probably the most visually beautiful striking it's it's this extraordinary it's up there with dune yeah 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 dune and to, to some folks like us licorice pizza but and i also pizza isn't as striking i also you know? would include like the green knight in that conversation um yeah for sure. and i mean and that's what film twitter has been kind of takes it yeah. in my head yeah but because i think i think for for me Macbeth is the the quality is there in basically every shot of the movie and mm-hmm. like i i don't think there's right. a throwaway image in macbeth <laughs> right when i was screenshotting for this episode yeah. i was like oh dang there's another one isn't there uh, yes it's oh look there's another one is it's crazy um and and so so we've established Macbeth is you know like the the just kind of a, a real achievement of cinematography and art direction for the year. But you said without that, it's kind of rough. Well, okay, I had I had a couple interesting moments with this movie, pre or during and post viewing. Yeah, which um, I'm gonna spoil our letterbox thing now, but I yeah. gave it a three and a half. Yeah, and you know I think my biggest problem with the movie is a thing that usually I enjoy about watching movies from home, which is I can put subtitles on. Yeah. And, you know, this movie's obviously Shakespeare, yeah. and Co- Cohen has decided to go very loyal. Yes. It's none of this, like, winking, uh, uh, the most famous line from the movie we might slip in there as a modern take on Shakespeare, but it is word for word. Yeah, it's the text. And, and so it's difficult, you yeah. know. If you're not an avid Shakespeare reader, it, it it probably will be fairly difficult to follow beat for beat what's happening. Yeah. And so in my head, I say, oh, subtitles are only going to make this 20 times better instead of like two times better. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I watched it and I had my experience with it. And then prepping for this podcast, I just put it on my laptop. Yeah. Just like I was wanting visually just to see some stuff. And I didn't have subtitles, and I just had my headphones in. Yeah. And I was enjoying it so much more. Yeah. And I had the sneaking suspicion as I was watching it. It's like, maybe I would like this more if I wasn't trying to understand every word, but was just, like, going with the, the like, uh, sensibility yeah. of the scene. And, like, like, I was watching it and reading it. I'm like, I feel like I would understand what they're saying more if I wasn't reading it. Yeah. And I was just connecting to the scene and yeah. – and, you know, kind of subconsciously hearing the language. Yeah, I I definitely had a similar experience where I put on the subtitles, but I found when I when I leaned into the scene and didn't and and chose not to read, I was far more engaged yes. in what was happening. And yes, and I also kind of wrote a little bit about this in my letterbox review. But I watched um, Akira Kurosawa's Throne of Blood a few months ago, which is. Mm-hmm. Um, his another Macbeth it, it, portrayal. It is a it's his kind of version of Macbeth, and obviously it's not the Shakespearean language. It's in it's in Japanese, and it's kind of 
taking Macbeth and putting it over like this feudal Japanese system um, with samurai and all of that. It's this nice thing because he's very faithful to the plot of Macbeth with Throne of Blood. Right. And so right. I was like, okay, I know the characters. I had just seen an adaptation of this. I know the plot. I'm familiar with Macbeth anyway. And, and so I felt like it was really important to have familiarity with the story going in because the language is really mm. hard. Um, right, I, right. I would be curious to get the take of someone who is like a really big Shakespeare person who is like, right. I know this play back, backwards and forwards because I got to imagine that's a really, really rewarding experience. Right, because because the language is so rich uh, and like jam-packed yeah. with metaphors and, and interesting wordplay, yeah. that that's pretty distracting to read that on top of a movie. Yes. But when I took it, took the subtitles out, I was just, oh, I feel the sense of what's happening here. Yeah. I feel it a lot more. And I get to just look at the cinematography instead of looking down at the, you know, the words over and over. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, man, like my review feels locked into like my not so great experience with trying to keep up with the language. But I'm curious on a rewatch if that would be adjusted. Yeah. And so in my, that's why I might, when I say like, it feels like the cinematography is carrying this movie a lot. In my head, it feels like if the cinematography wasn't so striking and so unique that I would have less things to really hold on to Yeah, that would put place this as not just another or not just like a Shakespeare play yeah. filmed or, or like, you know, you know, when they like um, film a Broadway play and yeah. you can watch it on a stream, like Hamilton, whatever. Yeah, it's kind of hard to watch that on a streaming service, like on yeah. your TV. Yeah. Like well, I, 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 Hamilton's a bad example because that's a really well done version of it. Because they... Here, I got one. Yeah. They did the Grinch musical. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it's, and you can watch it on Netflix, I believe, right? <laughs> I think it's on Hulu. We started okay. it. It okay. was god awful. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Not a good example. It's like when you go to the movies and it's like before the real previews start, you have to watch a preview for some phantom events. And it's like, like uh, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, some, yeah. some Broadway production that nobody really Someone cares about. Someone dancing. Yeah, 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 somebody dancing or whatever. Um, and, and like the whole of it is like we set a camera up in the sound booth to film it. Yeah, there's one camera. It doesn't yeah. switch ever. Yeah. Or zoom. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so like I I feel like the cinematography too is kind of the sell up front. Like when I saw the trailer, it was like, what? Yeah. Every image you're like, this is gonna be the most intense, dark, you know, A twenty four on brand thing. It doesn't distract from it being Shakespeare, but it it helps keep you engaged throughout difficult dialogue. I, I, I just really found uh, I, we talk so much about the cinematography because I think I think that is the point of the movie. It's almost like it you have this. It's, so I've, I mean, I've just done a little bit of reading, kind of interviews and stuff, and the genesis of this was Francis McDormand wanted Joel Cohen, her husband, to direct her on stage like five or six years ago doing Macbeth and he wanted her to come in and, and be the director of a stage production 
Um, and She's literally Lady Macbeth in real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and mm-hmm. and he said, well, what if we did a movie? And she's, you know, and that was how it started. He wasn't interested in uh, doing a stage being, you know, coming into the theater. And that's how that started. It's ironic because his brother is doing stage work now. Yes. And that's why he wasn't part yeah. of this movie. But he also knew that Ethan would not be interested in doing this he 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 is he said that that ethan was not going to be interested in this so the only way that he was the only the only reason that he did this is because they're kind of taking a break or they're just exploring projects and, and they mm-hmm. both made it really clear they're not not making movies together again but it's like the first time in right. 30 years or something that they haven't made a movie together um Dang. which is crazy you know that's gonna be us with podcasts I'm sure, I'm sure yeah <laughs> um but like he was on which show <laughs> but but it's that like Joel it was not interested in making in coming into a theater and directing a play and he said mm-hmm. I very explicitly in an interview he's like I was not interested in renting a castle in England and filming this on location or something you know doing the Kenneth Branagh Hamlet from the 90s that is like this right we are gonna right. just fully realize what this story is and Joel what they did was they went to the the Warner Brothers backlot and every every shot in this movie is on a soundstage and right and i mean they've created this from nothing and so it to me it's this it's this kind of there's an ironic thing because the the impulse for a lot of directors when they're adapting shakespeare or plays or or stuff like that is to say hey this we need to we need to get this as far away from the stage as possible so let's rent the castle let's do the giant you know real modern day gangland chicago yeah uh, yeah it's the romeo and juliet thing uh as community would say huh fresh take <laughs> uh, you know let's really give let's create a reason that this is not a stage play and 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 and, and sometimes that works to varying degrees or whatever and and there's kind of this ironic thing here of like everything in this movie is on a sound stage but at the same mm-hmm. time, this is so uniquely a movie. Right. Be- right. Because it's everything working together. It's not just they made a cool set. It's it's right. It's every shot on every set is unique to the one that precedes it and the one that came before it. Like sound design. The sound design is is incredible the the yeah the the really kind of understated soundtrack um the 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 color grading uh of the black and white is this very mm-hmm. particular kind of black and white where it, it's it's kind of a softer black and white it's it's closer to uh like a come on come on which is kind of a soft black and white um has almost no contrast. It, there are shots that have very little contrast, but when the contrast yeah, that no, that's what that's what's interesting about it is that yes, the the actual light and shadows are high contrast, but the color grading itself is low contrast. Yes, yes. So like, you know. so you know, you you've got these shots of like Denzel's face, right? And it just 
it, up against the 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 fog, right? And there's a <laughs> <laughs> trying to do a Denzel, <laughs> and and there's nah, 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 and there nah, is nah, not nah, a nah. lot of contrast in there between what I'm seeing in his face and the fog and all of that. But then it's like the witch shows up, and it's this this blacker than cool. black <laughs> streak across the screen. <laughs> You're doing the witch She's impression. Psycho. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god what a creature hold on i'm gonna send you this this is um this is sh- sh- uh screenshots of every shot in the first 10 minutes of the film um and it's and arranged on a grid i don't know if you saw this somebody somebody put this together um <sighs> but it's i mean it's you can see what, what i'm talking about here <laughs> there's a lot of the witch here but but the way that he uses the color grading and and he's mm-hmm. very particular about contrast and i mean it's all like each one of these is so distinct mm-hmm. yeah and even the uh it, it's it's a it's an interesting um like motif maybe not motif but it's a it's a smart technique to have mist be yeah. like a theme yes ongoing because it's like this is your scene break yeah like, in which a stage play would be like a yeah. natural like shifting of set pieces it's like oh the mist comes in and blocks things out and we land somewhere else yep it's like oh yeah very cinematic like solution Oh yeah, it's you know it's 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 beautiful, um, and it's dreamlike, and it feels like it's shifting in between reality and non-reality. Yeah, the the madness of Macbeth and Lady Macbeth is communicated communicated more visually than it is through either of their performances, which which right, is great. Right. It's it's just a real it's really refreshing because I I. We haven't talked about the performances yet, but I love what Denzel is doing here. It feels like so understated and cool, <laughs> like it, it not mm-hmm. not cool like Denzel usually is. But there is this, yeah, I know that. <laughs> my man. <laughs> uh, He's like high fiving guys who like kill, kill people for him. There's right. there's such a mellowness to it, and. Mm-hmm. And and the way that he even even his reading of the the Shakespeare is just it's fluid, but it's not you know this big proclaiming full you know <laughs> let's uh, like overly enunciate. But then like when Brendan Gleeson shows up as King Duncan, he gets to be the Shakespearean actor that is like doing that. But that's because he's the king, right? It's like. Right, right. I, I'm, I just so appreciate the, the difference there, but I, I, I love what the point that I was making is the, he's visually communicating everything. Everything is present in the visuals, and, and in the language, and in the performance. But I think so often in Shakespeare, it's the, we, we lean on the over the top, acting, and, because you're on a stage that's reaching like yeah. an entire building yeah and you have to yes but even in it's adaptations like, yeah, there's no reason oh right, right you know it's like it's like even in adaptations because it's still the to be or not to be soliloquy in hamlet right like it's right. still this person's opportunity to do it own it yeah cohen's like listen it's a movie we can hear you yeah uh-huh. <laughs> there's no reason to emote this crazily <laughs> yeah that's the thing because like i i don't think i've ever seen an adaptation or 
knowingly seeing an adaptation of Macbeth. Yeah. Um, and but like my association, especially with Lady Macbeth, is that she's just like a psycho, yes. power hungry, you know, whatever. And I was so glad that Frances McDormand didn't do that. I mean, she definitely is like, like pulling some strings and and like has that energy, but her energy is more in the Nosferatu vein than it is the uh, foaming at the mouth. Uh, I don't even know another like movie character comparison, but yeah. Like, check out this screenshot yep. that I grabbed in lieu of the favorite shots. It's insane. <laughs> <laughs> I love this shot. I, I do remember this from the movie. Uh, it's insane. I say no one. I'm like, that's Nosferatu. <laughs> yeah, so it, this shot is, is Lady Macbeth. This is her, like, kind of sleepwalking night of madness, right? Yeah. yeah, and then and she's like, and, and they, ooh, there's like something. two, the two castle, you know, servants or whatever, are like bearing witness to this mm-hmm. craziness, um, and she's like, "Hello, <laughs> I've got a candle in the night," but it's honestly, it's it's not over the top. The performance, like, no, 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 no. but the energy, the, the energy is still that's there. That's why Nosferatu. It's like Nosferatu yeah. is a silent film, and yet yeah. it's so terrifying. Yes, yeah. So yeah, surprised by the re- restraint in their performances. Yeah, because I think, I I mean, I remember watching the trailer too, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is gonna be just all out. Every you know, this mm-hmm. kind of, everything's gonna be over the top. And I think the the contrast between the, the almost I don't think the performances are understated, but there's this 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 let's pull it back to what you might expect. And then go all in on every other element of the filmmaking um, is I don't know it really really worked for me. What is your experience with Shakespeare or your like level of? Um, uh, not I mean I, I'm you know obviously familiar with the, with the plays we let, read in high school and I did a British theater class in college so we did we started mm. with some Shakespeare um, yeah and I've seen plenty of movie adaptations and I, I always feel positively about it um, yeah and and I you know the stories are always great um, it's a tough thing to um, I felt like it was a tough thing to appreciate all the metaphors all the wordplay at the pace of a movie yeah. You know? yeah, 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 and, and yeah, that that's that, that's why. Yeah, I agree with what you were saying earlier. Of like, I'm curious, someone who really knows the material, yeah, how effective this is, yeah, you know, because I feel like sometimes the material was almost getting in the way because I was like trying to like wait, yeah, that's a good metaphor, and that always, you know, and then by the time I'm thinking about that, a new thing is going on in the scene, yeah, which again I think is was why it was really helpful for me to be just really familiar with the plot points, and it's like okay, this is this right. is this is where we're at now. And I don't, I don't, I didn't have to think about what's happening in the plot uh, because, right. You know, it's like, okay, what well, these characters are running off to England and that's significant because what, like, and, yeah. and, and it was easier for me to just say, okay. There were so many times we we're like, so who's McDuck? <laughs> <laughs> and me and Sarah both had different theories about who it was and we were both wrong. <laughs> So, no, that oh, that was McDuck. 
What well, I mean, it's like the guy in the theater. <laughs> so why did that? Why did that guy just kill him? Oh, they. Oh, well, they were against each other. But I thought they. I was a double cross. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I. You're Seinfeld. Yeah. Yeah. What's your relationship with uh, Shakespeare? I mean, yeah. I, I feel like I did a course in college. Yeah. As an English major, you kind of had to. Yeah. Um, but I, I always found it to be like, I don't know. It's weird because we would watch those like, you know, single camera yeah. version of a play just like on video. And it was, it that was almost easier to hang with the material than the movie. Yeah. Probably because there is a lot of extra emoting going on. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, you, and the, but there's nothing else to focus on either. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. There's no camera switches. There's no like visual information to take in. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 there's a funny thing too, because I feel like in a similar way, the Boz Lerman, Romeo and Juliet with DiCaprio and Claire Danes is, is kind of, it's it's very different movie, but it's so over the top in everything, everything, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's, you know, modern day Verona beach is like Venice beach. And there's like the guns are, have the the brand name of the guns is dagger and uh, everything oh. <laughs> you know like everything is up to a, a, a 120 and uh how do they poison each other i think it's just poison but you know i i don't i don't know um i just watched it poison doesn't exist in modern day there's no poison at the store <laughs> uh has bought some poison yeah but 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 it is it is just the language of uh, it they mm. they keep the text the same so he does visit an apothecary and it, i don't yeah but everything is so over the top and 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 I, I remember I recently watched it, and obviously Romeo and Juliet is a play that I have a lot more familiarity with than Macbeth. Um, right. But I still found myself being so overwhelmed by what was happening on screen that I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, wh- what's happening now? Like, wh- what am I listening to? The the, the language. Right. Um, right. And and I do think the the way that. The, the performers here in Macbeth handle the language is a little bit better than what most everybody's doing in that Boslerman movie. Um, mm-hmm. And it might be because they're, you know, it's like 18 year old Leo. And, yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is, this is uh, Lord and Lady Macbeth in their sixties, you know, and these incredible actors. Um, <laughs> I know it's insane. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, so a, a lot of the energy and conversation around the movie too has been about that choice to make it about uh, a, a Macbeth who is older, rather than a young a young Macbeth who hasn't had a child yet, and right. did did you feel that in the movie? Was that like? No, I I didn't realize that typically Macbeth's a lot younger. Like yeah, you know, at the beginning of his, because that would make sense. But uh, I don't know. I feel like a lot of our favorite directors are on this kind of reflective time in their career. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like a lot of our favorite directors, like were making some of their most well-known movies when they were in like their early thirties yeah. and we were teenagers. Yeah. And so they're they're or, or late thirties, you know, so they're tracking with like, okay, getting older, yeah. getting a little more slowed down. So yeah, I didn't even realize that Macbeth is typically a younger guy. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I, again, I think that choice, which is like, seemed to just be an interesting thought experiment for Frances McDormand as she was like pitching her husband on this. Um, mm. I, 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 it, it worked to me because of the way that they played it, because they played it as this. It's not, it's not Macbeth is this young, charismatic. It's not the fire yeah, of Macbeth. Yeah, it, it's yeah. not that. And and instead it is this, it, it feels a little bit more like this seasoned player at the game. And I'm finally going to get mine. Yeah, it, this patient, uh, you know, uh, almost even like the way he plays it with the witches of I, I don't even know if I should should try. He says it, but I don't, I don't know if I should trust them or not. But it, but from this kind of older perspective of like, do I dare let this hope in? That's, you know, this mm-hmm. thing that I've been pursuing for so long. Do I dare hope now that this this is the time? Um, right. And 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 you can you can see that like the the. The, the madness that they're drawn into is almost like this. Oh, oh, you know, the little bit of the the dog finally. What's the dog gonna do when he catches the car, right? It's like mm-hmm. they've been chasing this for so long. Now, what are they gonna do? Um, right. And and it, it it is this different kind of madness. It's not the the amb- ambitious driven kind of madness. It's this. It's something else. I feel like I'm slowly uh, switching my. I feel like I'm slowly shifting my letterbox reviews to not just what I think about the movie, but just the likelihood that I'll watch it again. Because something can be great, but I just don't think I'll ever watch it again. Uh, is that how you felt about this one? Yeah. Yeah. Although, I, I, like I said, I am curious if the, like... Because I didn't feel a lot watching it, other than it's beautiful, Yeah. you know? And and obviously terrified by the any time the witch is on... Yes. Screen. Yes. She's unbelievable. She deserves something for this movie. Yeah. My God. Um, but I yeah, I wonder how if I'd be able to connect a little bit more emotionally with it if I just wasn't trying to read subtitles the whole time. Yeah. No, I think that's right. I, I I'm I definitely like first reaction was like, man, that was really good. But there was a distance. Mm-hmm. But then as I sat and thought about it, I was like, oh, no, everything is just everything about it's great. And I had then I had that thought of like, I'd really like to dive into that visual world again. And that's what's really mm-hmm. been propping the movie up for me is like seeing on on social media, all these people posting their their favorite shots. And it's like right. every single one's better than the last <laughs> Uh, yeah. it, you know, good. I was just gonna say the at the experience of watching the movie, a lot of the visual stuff gets lost because it's coming at you so fast. And yeah. but then to see, okay, somebody grabbed that this particular shot. I remember that in the movie, but boy, when I'm just looking at it, like that's the best thing I've seen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if. It's like, you know, as you get older, I mean, hopefully not if you're, you know, continually working on being a healthy human being. Mm -hmm. But I feel as I get older, it's harder for me to feel deeply Mm. or like um, 
like like with frequency like like uh i don't know like obviously as a teenager you're feeling a lot all the time yeah you know yeah and as you get older for me i'm like i feel it's harder for me to feel often and um so with this i'm like ah yeah some of this career reflection kind of older take yeah and kind of distant emotionally like there's a numbness to Macbeth almost yeah like even after he's got like once he's gotten what he what he's wanted in the movie he strikes me as like kind of numb yeah to this what's how his life kind of spirals down from there yeah even when he's killed at the end spoiler alert it it feels like of little consequence to him. Yeah, it's almost like it, the whole. I mean, he, you know, it's it's interesting. Macbeth's death is interesting because he's so confident because everything the witches have said has come true, and mm-hmm. and part of their prophecy is that no man born of woman could could kill Macbeth, and he finds mm-hmm. out Macduff, Macduff is what born of a C section. Is that that's the thing right mm. uh that he was like you're like all right kind of <laughs> right i'm not like this that's what the plot is right oh I, yeah i have no idea but if that is the sidestep you know um yeah he said mcduff declares he is not born of woman but instead untimely ripped which was a mm. uh, uh uh a shakespeare ism for uh c-section i believe um, Damn, that's gonna be my new Twitter bio. <laughs> um, but you can you see that like shock on his face when he when that mm. when that when that realization happens, and then it's almost like the death him getting killed is not the shocking thing because that realization washes over him, and it's like okay, well, I guess I'm done. <laughs> it, it it's that it's the crumbling defenses of this guy, right? Um, you know, it's funny that scene is happening right now as you're yeah, talking about yeah, it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, on the bridge. I will not ye to kiss the ground before young Malcolm's feet. <laughs> and he baited with the rabble's curse. Now they're fighting. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I love the staging of that scene on that kind of bridgeway. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. But but that's, that's I, I like your point of it's like he's built up this wall of protection around him and it kind of slowly comes down and, and it's not this desperate young man trying to hold on to power. It's this older Macbeth who had it, who who did achieve it and Mm -hmm. almost kind of understands the cycle of these things. Right. It's really interesting. This young man is supposed to murder me. Yeah. 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 Um, That's how it goes. Yeah. Um, I find uh, about your point of, so, so, you were saying how, as a teenager, obviously you feel feeling a lot of things. Do you, do you find yourself feeling less with movies, or feeling more? Yeah, uh, less. Yeah, like it's less often that I'm like really affected by a movie. Yeah, or a moment do, in a movie. Do you feel you know? though that you emotionally connect with different things than you would have ten years ago? Yeah. 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 Cause like like, especially being a parent, just like yeah. little stuff like, like videos on Instagram or something, you know, yeah, of like a moment or, 
I don't know, more more human stuff. I won't, I won't say like more juvenile stuff, like easily no, makes you yeah, emotional, yeah. but it's just like like uh, I don't know, familiar familial stuff. But I also think like I so I watched Lincoln this weekend, which I haven't watched since it came out. I think 10, 10 years ago and mm-hmm. was a movie and I will say I liked it a lot more than I remember it than I remember mm. first feeling. it was really I was really impressed by that and I think right it, Lincoln have you ever seen Lincoln uh no I just started it. yeah I started it once uh, yeah. I Lincoln in my memory was something like a three three and a half star movie and it's like yeah the Daniel Day Lewis performance is really good and nothing else is interesting about it and mm-hmm. and I was watching it this weekend and I was like I was connecting with everything emotionally it was because it's so mm-hmm. much about like about legacy about um, about honor about uh, convictions it's about these right it's about things that were not meaningful to me as a 22 year old right and, maybe that's what it is like stories of like driven greatness yeah uh are less like i i'm i'm not connecting with them as much yeah yeah you know i i'm i find i know i'll never get there and i've accepted it <laughs> no, i find myself connecting with a, a lot more with things that i didn't connect with 10 15 years ago um yeah and and also part of that is like I, I think I probably watched Lincoln 10 years ago and I'm like, well, I don't really know what's going on, but here we go. And, mm-hmm. and, and, and you just develop, you know, the, the older we get, the, the greater our ability to, you know, uh, you know, understand, understand a movie on first viewing. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I, I felt the most in obviously the scene of, you know, the child being thrown into a fiery pit. Oh gosh. And then the news being broke to the father yes, about that. You know? Yes. But I really didn't ever feel for Macbeth or Lady Macbeth. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that scene where they uh, they uh, where Macduff is informed of the fate of his family because I think it's Ross is the name of the character like tries to not tell him at first and I really related mm-hmm. to that as a nine. <laughs> right. You're like, listen, I have some news. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey listen don't don't shoot the messenger right? uh, yeah, your family yeah, Duff is your, your family was fine when I last saw them if you know what I'm saying <clears throat> McDuff is a sleep is a sleeper like hit yeah, here yeah he's re- he's really good and I think it is a, it is such an interesting idea that that you know again this traditional Macbeth you know, uh, having Lord and Lady Macbeth being younger, but but in this movie, the 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 contrast between an old, uh, late in life Macbeth and a young Macduff, young family, mm-hmm. this young child, that's that drives right. the whole ending of the film. That steals what he never had. Yes, yes, away from him. Yes, it, it makes it makes Macbeth's willingness to kill Macduff's family and child and. Um, uh, uh, Bonko's son as well um, he, mm-hmm. he's like I'm going to kill all my enemies and their kids and, right. and he's never had children uh, right. I mean obviously that's there in the original text but to have it as an older man who 
who mm-hmm. never had that and is looking at younger people and and God. I mean it's just it's it's terrible. It's a real generational moment this movie's having. We should have some closing thoughts. Okay, I, I have I have one last kind of segment I want to talk about on the on the movie, and this is the Joel Cohen of it all and how this kind of fits in. Because okay. my the first time I heard about this movie, probably two years ago, I was like, yes, Joel Cohen, Macbeth. I don't know what that means. I don't care. And 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 my first impression of this movie then was like, boy, this is weird for a Cohen. It's not a Cohen Brothers movie, but for a Cohen. Mm-hmm. Like this is like I'm trying mm-hmm. to figure out how this fits in. And I don't know if you had a if you had a thought or an initial like kind of reaction to that aspect of it. No. I mean, I feel like I need to have a bit more of their catalog in my head. Yeah. I, I like I, 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 okay. Them, PTA, Quentin, yeah. uh, David Fincher. I'm just naming some of the heavy hitters yeah. that are like when it's, when they release saying it's, it's an event, a major event. Yeah. I feel like they're the least defined in my brain of like, they have this really specific style and this is yeah. kind of what their thing is every time. Yeah. Like, the rest of those guys, I can point to like a good list of characteristics. Yeah. Of like it's always this stuff, you know. But they're a little bit they're a little bit more slippery. They've also been highly productive. Um, it's something like eighteen or twenty movies. Um, yeah, that's the thing. It's less like uh, total complete masterpiece work every tw- time. I'm looking on Letterbox. Twenty. He's director of twenty five films. Um, and I think some of these are short films, so I think it's probably closer to that, you know, eighteen to twenty. Um, so, it's a, mm-hmm. you know, very productive directors, um, right? Uh, but I also don't a little bit more Soderbergh. Yes, yeah, definite, definitely. Where, um, yeah, I think that's a great comparison. I I have a little bit of a better handle probably on their catalog because i watched 16 coen brothers movies in 2020 that became my like begin <laughs> that became my like beginning of pandemic uh it's like when you ask someone like what do you do this weekend when you really want to share about what you did that weekend you're like do you see the through line with the other work i'm like no you're like oh interesting i do <laughs> well yeah I, I mean i can't i mean i've got to bring it up somehow um i i it was just like my early covid project where i'm like i'm gonna watch i and i had seen a lot of them but some of them i hadn't and, and fargo is like one of my favorite movies you just mentioned it uh as, as one of your letterbox right. favorites and no country obviously um and so i have like these but i was kind of like well i haven't watched true grit since i watched it's it funny that you mentioned those those are like very adjacent movies now that i think about it to each other yeah. yeah, but I also think to Macbeth in a lot of ways. Um, mm. I, I think I think Macbeth, the character Macbeth, is is like a slightly more competent Jerry Lundergaard. <laughs> like mm. this, what's the scheme and how do I get ahead? And mm-hmm. and I mean Jerry Lundergaard's an idiot and a completely incompetent character, right? Um, who is willing to have his wife kidnapped to make money? And in this, you know, Macbeth is is kind of scheming with his wife um mm-hmm. but i you know i don't 
uh, the, what's the difference? Is Macbeth has more power and authority than Jerry Lundergaard, the used car salesman? <laughs> like, Llewellyn hides his wife. What's that? Oh, and yeah. Llewellyn hides his but, wife. But then Llewellyn as well. I, I, there. To me, there's this almost like this Macbeth or tries to Macbeth becomes like the intersection of Llewellyn and uh, Jerry Lundergaard. Right? Llewellyn stumbles into this incredible opportunity and then the whole movie right. is his his really his scheme to hold on to it um and to right. and to at every turn bat away the evil incarnate that is chasing him <laughs> right that's that's so mm. like so much the heart of the movie and that like anton shigur represents you know this evil evil um and and like, isn't that kind of what is happening in Macbeth? You know, it's it's he he is seems to have stumbled into this prophecy for the witches of his glory, and then mm. the, you know, it's that is it prophecy? Am I making it happen because I know because of the prophecy, or would it happen anyway? And right. you know, he he is really going to hold on to that. Um, yeah, and I and I wrote this in my letterbox review, but I think Anton Chigurh is a similarly kind of mysterious evil incarnation, like the witches are in this movie. Um, so you view the witches as evil? Uh, I think Anton is evil. I mean, they're, they're they're the kickstart to the like dastardly deeds in the plot. Yes. Yeah. I mean. What's the what's the famous line? Um, something wicked this way comes, <laughs> right? Like by the pricking of my thumbs. Yeah, I mean, I, I I don't think there's a there's a net positive there for the witches, um, right? And I and I you know, I just kind of pose this question, but if the witches don't involve themselves, then none of this happens, right? This is right. because of the prophecy. They they are creating the machinations that cause him to mm-hmm. um, go down this evil road. I, I think Anton is like uh, uh, just just this kind of black hole of evil <laughs> from No Country for right. Old Men. And I think the witches are something a little different, but there is still a mysteriousness and ethereal nature to them that... A little bit more court jestery, but it, but the the that that mystery the that is all present in the Anton Sugar character, um, and mm. and Anton in a lot of ways is the thing that is driving the plot by his own will, um, right. whether or not he chooses to kill someone. And that that movie asks that question, right? The coin flip, the the guy, right. the guy doesn't want to do the coin flip because he's like, well, you've already made your choice. <laughs> I'm not going to do this. And right, and kind of calling into question fate or uh, free will. Yeah, which is which is a lot of the subtext here with the witches and their prophecy and Macbeth. Um, right. So those were those were some of like the. That's, go ahead. I was just say it's funny Christian's quote from that director saying that directors just make the same movie over and over. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. It's like oh yeah, the the themes I'm interested in then I'm still interested in now. Yeah, it's because they can't escape me. It's it's like, or my my English teacher used to say that your subconscious leaks on the page whether you like it or not. Yeah, and so often for freshman writers that would lead to very funny um, outpourings. Yes, but, um, I mean it's probably it's true in all art forms. But it's so like, you funny. Can't help but like get out there what you're kind of internally. 
interested or going through. No, but you would think that a way to safeguard against that is to adapt Shakespeare. <laughs> right? And you're like, eh, eh. But it's still there. It's still like, oh, it, it, the Shakespeare he's choosing to adapt is Macbeth, which has this kind of weird connection to... And his wife's encouraging it, which would yeah. he have ever done it if she didn't <laughs> become the witch? She's the real witch. Um, just kidding. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just think... And, and the other thing, too, was a movie that I thought about a lot while I was watching uh, Macbeth was Hail Caesar. Um, have you seen Hail Caesar? Which I've never seen. Oh, man. It's, it is like an underrated gem of the Coen brothers. And it's kind of like Golden Age of Hollywood... And what you get, what he, what they have so much fun doing, is creating these Hollywood sound stages, and then showing you scenes of like these kind of golden age movies, right? Like it's a giant pool, and Scarlett Johansson is like a mermaid with this whole chorus of people behind her singing and dancing, and Channing Tatum doing this dance number at a bar, and like you know things that are so reminiscent of a different era. And mm-hmm. one of the things that I noticed, as fresh as Macbeth felt, I was like, "Oh, he's he's like doing this old Hollywood thing of I'm mm-hmm. I'm going right. I'm going to create everything on a soundstage." And right, I know. Remind me of Citizen Kane, like absolutely like his mansion. You know, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the 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 production design reminded me of this kind of old Hollywood noir, barren, but but uh, like. It's like barren and empty, but at the same time, really fancy, expensive, like yes. decorative. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Absolutely. Um, or lavish, I should say. Yeah. And and it's there isn't an effort to make it look like. I mean, it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's on a soundstage because it looks incredible. But there's there's not an effort to make it look real, quote unquote. But lived in. Yeah. There the the. Yeah. Everything is about the aesthetic, which is a lot of that old Hollywood stuff. Yeah. There's not the dirt or grime from Green Knight. Yeah. No. Yeah. 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 Um, which is, yeah. you know, obviously that's a theme in the movie is dirt and organicness, overgrowth. Yeah. Yeah. But I got. I, gosh, I'm I'm looking at the the Coen Brothers movies right now, and I'm like, have you seen Burn After Reading? You got to watch the Coen Brothers movies, man. Yeah, yeah. Have yeah. Burn after reading is like every like all these bumbling people trying to like screw each other over, and right, it, it's this like power ambition, like from from the heights of government secrecy to Brad Pitt <laughs> as the personal trainer at the gym is, and or Frances McDormand who is in that movie who is so schemy, she's so schemy, and all she wants is like plastic surgery <laughs> she's trying to pay they love some schemers <laughs> she's trying to pay for plastic surgery um and then and then like um a serious man uh which is like a kind of their retelling of the book of job but is this movie mm-hmm. about like fate and evil coming for this man and like it he everything in his life falls apart all the time and he cannot stop it and he cannot avoid it and that's how i feel he's designed macbeth as this everything is moving for, t- toward his death and that's mm. the play that's the play I need to watch that you got to watch a serious man i think it's a uh stone cold five star movie like right yeah i'm looking at the poster right now i'm like oh yeah i recognize that yeah 
yeah. Anyways, I I I thought a lot about where this fits in, and you could do this with any filmmaker, I think. But I was vi- like really particularly interested in Joel Cohen's kind of affinity toward this project, and he's it's it's not that funny it's not a super fun like cohen the cohen's are really known for their kind of funny quick dialogue um or or dry or droll dialogue a lot of times but um you know that's that's not here because it's just the play but it still is like oh i i I, and i don't think it's like a you squint and turn your head and you can see how this fits i think i think it is there any other any final thoughts on uh, Macbeth? No, I mean, my last ones will just be wrapped up in the segments. So what do we got? We got favorite shot. Favorite shot. Uh, That's basically basically the whole uh, thing. Yeah. You go first. I've got three, but you go. Okay. Um, I have a lot, but this was one where in the moment I'm like, I don't really even understand what's happening visually here, but I think it is extraordinarily beautiful and like very clearly this existed on a storyboard and they said we're going to create this how would you just how would you describe this shot that i just sent you it's almost art deco yeah yeah it's definitely the kind of this art deco inspired so you you have it's all black there's a weird crossover of aesthetics with this movie yes Oh, which I also thought like, a lot about the Hudsucker Proxy, which is their kind of Art Deco-y, um, really kind of a lot of set design stuff in that movie that they made in the 90s. Um, and it's not as much here, but like, yeah. yeah. Anyways, how would you describe the shot? Like just setting it up? Yeah, I mean, because I, I, it's... I don't even know what moment from the movie this is. It's just somebody walking through a doorway that extends. It was, it was right after the um, his buddy that he has killed, and he's trying to kill his kid. Yeah. He has a, like a soliloquy to himself. Yeah. And it's like shot up close to his face, and then it cuts to that. Yeah. Uh, it's just a scene transition, but it, it's pretty astounding. It's like him. The lengths they go for a scene transition. It's like him walking out of a completely dark chamber through this you know 30 40 foot high all basically white opening and and then you have these it's five openings five doorways or whatever um Mm -hmm. i don't know it's it's just like so clearly something that they created like they manufactured like you know but it's so beautiful so much work just for two seconds yeah yeah and I, you know, like honorable mention for me for favorite shot too is probably that early shot of the witches and the way that he does that trick of oh, yeah. them and their reflection. The fog rolls in, then they're up there. Yeah, yeah. That's definitely one of my three. Yeah, that was when that when it cuts from her face and then Denzel's face and then to that, like Sarah audibly gasped. Yes, me too. I was like, oh, and. W- and when a, a shot can make you gasp, yeah, uh, that that deserves to be talked about. Yep. So that that's one of the three, and then I got um, man, movies really love visually referencing Ivan's childhood. Mm. Um, that that Tarkovsky mm-hmm. movie, and he this does is, is that this is like with, the shack uh, in the middle of the of nowhere. 
Yeah. yeah. And when that henchman guy is looking for the kid. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's a couple good moments from that, or a couple good stills from that scene, but just ridiculous. And then I also really liked. I I, mean, I already showed you Francis climbing the stairs, but last one would be the witches up on the crossbeams. Oh yeah. Anytime the witches are on screen, I'm about it. They're really the Joker of this movie, the Heath Ledger, Ledger Joker. <laughs> Where it's like they show up, you're like, all right, I was getting sleepy, but now I'm back I'm in. I'm back in. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That Ivan Childhood thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. A lot of movies like have a moment like that, or like on True Detective or Yeah. Yeah. I mean it and this it's like it's hard on a podcast to talk about like, you know, favorite shots of a movie like this because everything is so visual. It's you know, sometimes I think we talk about favorite shots and it's like what what the characters are doing or, you know, its function in a scene. But this is just like, oh, everything is so just uh pretty to look at here this is another one of my we'll post all of these we'll have plenty of, uh, of these on the instagram but uh this is when king duncan first arrives at um uh oh, Macbeth's, yeah. you know whatever his castle and just this just there's so much going on in this shot um and and mm-hmm. the play of of light of Macbeth in the shadows watching king duncan be greeted by lady Macbeth as she comes out of the shadows into this courtyard and the the play of light and dark it's just like it's beautiful but i'm saying that about everything all these be on the ig yeah 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 follow us on instagram check it out um all right letterbox review so i gave it a three and a half but i'm i'm that that's my very wary three and a half for what i've already talked about which i need to rewatch it without subtitles and and see if it's the same mm-hmm. kind of distance or or like hard to follow versus just like following the emotion because I think there is emotion but the words are so dense that you can get too wrapped up in them if you're trying to read the book as it goes yeah yeah I get that my I gave this um four and a half stars oh my review was oh yeah go ahead. it was three and a half one star for each witch and then a half star for the cinematography <laughs> putting the movie on its back. Uh, yes. Um, I gave it four and a half stars. Um, and that was like, my first reaction was like closer to the four, maybe three and a half, but I sat on it for a couple hours and I was like, Oh no, this is, this is, this is such a masterwork, uh, of, of, of craftsmanship and skill on every single person involved. And, and just think about what's normally on. I know, I know it's, it's like, it's how could you, stupid. you know, I'm not going to say you're wrong in what, what you gave it, but I'm like, how could you give this three and a half stars? Like I gave like Mike three stars. <laughs> <laughs> I know I gave Tammy Faye three. I'm like, this is a half star. I, I know that's why the, the rain system. So stupid. it's, it's, and kind of in the it's all dumb. The rating system's so dumb, but, um, it, it, there's so there's no consistency in and of itself, but it's like whatever. Um, all right, yeah. so we've got um, what? What's next? Unsung hero. Man, I don't think I had one for this one. Maybe Dudley. I, I, uh, Dudley. Dudley Dursley showing up. No, you know what? I'm going with the 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 props department with the leaves. Oh, what's holding the leaves? Yeah, that's so great. <laughs> all right, so we'll take it. The leaves. Um, 
I'm going to go with Stephen Root, who plays the porter uh, at Macbeth's castle. Oh, damn it. That I knew that was the one. It, That's the one. It's like, it's this tiny, tiny little role, and it's like... He crushes. Like... And he's such a funny he actor. Comes in and crushes. And it's like the only real moment of comedy in the whole play. Um, and I don't even know if that's like he's a, comedy in the play or if it's like Joel Cohen's like, I need a little bit of levity here. Let's bring Steven Root in to do this. Right. And he just kills it in like two minutes. It's great. Yeah, that's a good move. Um, um, all right. Well, you said you got a new right. segment. I, introducing a new segment. This is... If you liked this, check out that. Okay. So, okay, we can name it something else. But All right. basically, like, if you liked uh, Macbeth or, like, it wasn't quite your thing, but, you know, whatever. Yep. It's our recommendations for, like, okay, but you should go check out this movie. Yep. Yep. Like, if you want something similar, you know. Like, it, like I picture us, like, bartenders or mixologists. Yeah. Like, hey, I really like old fashions. What's something else that you think I would enjoy? Sure. You know, like point me in a direction. All right. Because I, I totally, I I'll, got I'll it. Kick us off. I'm totally on board. Go ahead. So obviously the, the one for me is obvious here, but if you like this, especially cinematography, you got to go watch the night of the hunter night of the hunter. That's right. Yes. You have to go watch that movie because it's my top five favorite movies of all time, but also if you like the look, this is directly, directly in conversation yes. with the Night of the Hunter. Yes. And it, it was just such a sh- shockingly good. Uh, it's just one of those movies where I just watched it on a whim one day. Yeah. And I was like, like baffled by how much I loved I it. I remember that. It, yeah. I love that so movie. Super yeah. special movie. Yeah. So that's my that's my wreck. If you want saying at least visually, you know, more more down this alley. Yes, yes, yes. Um, okay, so mine is going to be a little bit of uh, what we discussed um, uh, just a little bit ago. I would say that if you like this Joel Cohen movie, uh, it's it's a much visually different movie. But I would say go see A Serious Man because I think that is a super underrated mm. Cohen Brothers movie that not a lot of people have seen. Um, but I, I, and that is one where I definitely watched it in 2009 when I was like 20 Mm. and I was like, all right, that was cool. I don't know why Roger Ebert thinks that's the best movie of the year, but you know, whatever. And I watched it, I watched it a year and a half ago and I was like, oh, this is like the best movie of the decade. (laughs) Like it is, it's really beautiful like again all about the shots in a serious man um mm. but but very similar themes to uh what joel is able to pick up here in macbeth um and yeah it's this kind of late 60s period piece about a guy um whose life is falling apart basically um all my letterbox friends have given it four and a half or five stars yeah so yeah uh, there you go. Yeah, it's it, it really is this kind of underrated uh, Coen Brothers gem. So uh, check out a serious man. Um, finally, uh, what else have we been watching? All right, you start then. I, I'll just mention one because um, I don't think we're gonna do Nightmare Alley as an episode. Um, mm. But I did see Nightmare Alley, the new Guillermo del Toro movie, and 
I uh, saw this. Did I share this on the podcast before? The, my story of seeing House of Gucci. Uh, I think so. Um, I saw House of Gucci six weeks ago, and the movie was going, and there was a crazy yellow tint. And I thought, well, this can't surely can't be the movie. And I asked an employee, and they said, oh yeah, it does that. We can fix it. I'm like, well, that's crazy and then 45 minutes later the yellow tint came back and then they told me i wouldn't come back to that uh, to a movie in that theater theater 10 at the regal in roseville i wouldn't come back to a a a, a movie because we're not sure if it's going to get fixed for a couple of weeks anyways oh my god nightmare alley was playing and it's the only theater in town that was playing nightmare alley and uh, it happened to be theater 10 again and i thought okay well it's been two months. Um, surely they've fixed this you did by not now. Heed the witch's advice. Surely they have fixed this by now, and they've not just been showing movies for the last two months in this auditorium with a crazy yellow tint. But no, but no. Twenty minutes into this movie, crazy yellow tint, and I'm like, this is not what this is supposed to look like. So I go out there and I say, hey, it's doing it, and they're like, okay, okay, yeah, we'll we'll fix it, we'll fix it. Some of our some of our projectors have been doing that. It's a multiple. It's multiple projectors. This is absolutely. This is insane. This is the state of movies. And yeah, not at home. Yeah, I had to. Uh, I had to get up three times during Nightmare Alley to tell them. But I really liked Nightmare Alley. I did not like Shape of Water, Guillermo del Toro's last movie. Um, I like actively disliked it, and this was a super fun experience for me. Um, love the old time. Despite the yellow, yeah. Despite the yellow, I I really enjoyed the movie. I love Willem Dafoe as the geek trainer at the crazy, creepy carnival. I I thought it was just a, a lot of fun, uh, and and I, as a movie, I want to see again in a better uh, circumstances. But yeah, liked it. It's always funny when no one else in the theater like does like gets up oh my gosh yeah. it, it, it was so like so disgustingly ugly and they have to, to, to fix it they have to shut off the video for like 45 seconds so we're sitting there the audio track is still playing and it's like 45 60 seconds of blackness and that's when people were oh that's when people were getting annoyed and i'm like no 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 please they're fixing the ugly i just i and and I don't know what's going and on. And both those movies, Hasaguchi and um, obviously any movie with a wild yellow tint would look terrible. But both those movies are like very specifically like visually interesting and uh, Night- Nightmare right, Alley right. especially. All right, uh, next week on the podcast, what are we watching, Mitchell? Are we watching Come On, Come On? We're gonna watch Come On, Come On, which is available to rent uh, digital, um, and maybe playing in select theaters but i definitely worth worth your rental um to check it out like we both really like this movie do it do what we did grab some friends split the cost yep. not not too bad and um and then following up after that we're gonna do our top 10 movies of 2021 and then maybe someday so. someday we'll get to the power of the dog you know what? We should just promise we're going to do Power of the Dog for the rest of the time we do this podcast and just never actually do it. No. You know, by mid... Our front inside joke. By mid-February, it'll be really like Oscar award season and it'll Power of the Dog will be the talk of the town, right? And there'll be no movies coming out. So, yes. So. Yeah, we'll have, pl- we'll have uh, plenty more from last year to talk about. All right. Next week, come on, come on. Thanks for listening. 
In the meantime, follow us on Instagram for all of your Macbeth content. And more. And we'll see you next week. Good night, y'all. Bye. Oh, oh, I have zero friends and zero relationships anywhere.